Hey, it's Tasha. And this is your girl, Ryan. And this is the Conscious Addiction Podcast. Get into it. Won't Here we go. Thank now you. Now we're going. Hey. All right. <laughs> Only send a reminder. <laughs> Won't it be a fresh word like record? Listen, y'all, I forgot to hit record <laughs> last week. And so this shift. Oh, the sound me, engineer. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so let's be clear. Tasha does all the sounds. She uploads the podcast. She makes sure we sound good. She adds all the little ad libs and bloops and all this. But she does that. I am in charge of literally only going live <laughs> on Facebook and hitting the record button. Okay. I failed last week. I didn't remember. Even when you said that, I was just like, oh man, I didn't even remember because it's not like I can't see it. It says recording right there. Red button, blinking and all. Yeah. But I'm going to take responsibility because I just should have hit the button. But today we're recording also because Tasha reminded us because I do not take credit. (laughs) Also, Shift 21 is now available because I figured it out. Uh-huh. So yes, so anywhere you, you like catch to a replay, mm-hmm. anywhere you like to listen to your podcasts, podcast addicts, Anchor, SoundCloud, iTunes, podcast, Google, yes, we out here. Mm-hmm. We out here in these podcast streets. Okay. Also, you can always catch the replay on Facebook because it saves the lot. That's right, and thank God it did because <laughs> we would have been stuck. It was going to be. A- episode or shift 20 and shift 22 yeah we were, I, I actually thought that was what was gonna happen i was gonna say let's just say forget it <laughs> we got to like an hour before we were getting ready to record right now and it i, I got the alert that it had, <laughs> it had I was uploaded. determined i was determined when i take oh you guys if you'll notice <laughs> this little magical thing here found the microphone thanks babe did he find it? Yes. And it was so <laughs> obvious. It may as well have been sitting on top of my head. He was like, I knew I saw that mic somewhere. You, you go your mic right here. I was not feeling well. I jumped about to be like, for real? Where? <laughs> like he might be lying. I just had to go put my hand on it. Like, it is the mic. It is. See, baby knowing. But yeah, I was determined to get everything recorded and get it on get it you know streaming so it's available y'all go ahead and click like subscribe rate comment download it do yes. all the things to get our plays up yes because you know we need y'all we need y'all not only do we need you guys to listen we want to know what you would like for us to talk about <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> so, if you have ideas or um, want to know what our thoughts are on a particular subject, we live for email chat. So hit us up in our inbox, um, getsedated705 at gmail.com. I had to write that down this time because I had messed it up last time. It was so So. smooth, it was funny. (laughs) It was funny. So we got it together this time. Get sedated705 at gmail.com. If you have ideas about our podcast or want to ask us a question or share some thoughts about what we have to say, we want to hear from you. Peace. 
Yes. So let's get into it, girl. Let's go ahead and hit our mindful moments. Did you have a good week this week? Um, I did have a good week. I cannot complain. I'm still healthy and all of that. But today, particularly, I'm mindful of Darius Williams. I don't know who, if y'all know who he is, but he is one of my most favorite um, chefs, food bloggers. He's had a couple restaurants. He's got a few cookbooks and I own them all. Um, but he does like, he'll do, do lives or TikToks or whatever where he's cooking. And he's usually like, y'all hungry? Let's make a snack. And so he'll start cooking, right? And maybe like a week ago or two weeks ago, he did this beef and broccoli with noodles, like Asian meal. And so I was like, oh, that sounds delicious. So let me try it. But he never put the recipe up on his website. And so I'm like, okay, because he'll be like, okay, you just want a little piece of this and a little dash of that. Now, I'm not a huge recipe user when I'm creating my own stuff either. Right. Mm-hmm. But baby, I was like, now, come on, Darius, we need some some ratios, some fractions. <laughs> we need to know what's what. But today I kind of winged this recipe that he did, and it was really good. So what was it, Tasha? Beef and broccoli with noodles. Oh, you did say that. I did. That's what I get for, for multi <laughs> all right but yeah it was was, good though yeah it was really tasty i probably could have added some carrots to it to make it a a bit more healthy but it was good got me a little um steak and you know fry that up and put like soy sauce and mirin and brown sugar i'm trying to see what else is in it oh sesame oil Mm -hmm. was in it it was really good i was missing one ingredient but it was like a very obscure ingredient ingredient and I was like I can't find that I'm not about to knock myself out so let's just see what happens I put some ginger in it um yeah just put it all in one pot once the um sauce and stuff like that had thickened I put some cornstarch in it Mm -hmm. put the broccoli on top let that steam and then added the noodles it was really good good you did like Asian noodles I did angel hair Oh, okay. Yeah. So nothing, you know, I've been doing angel hair for the last probably decade. Once I realized angel hair was like supreme, I don't do thin spaghetti or the spaghetti noodles. They're just too thick for me. But angel hair is life. So there there you go. I'm mindful of angel hair pasta. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) Sound real greedy tonight, don't I? No, I'm actually hungry. I smell the girls in there warming food up. And I'm like, mm, I want some. Bring mama a plate. <laughs> Just don't clank that plate on the table. Yeah, they're going to clank it all up. I'm surprised if <laughs> you don't hear them tear my kitchen down right now. No, I don't actually. This is good. We threatened them before we started recording. So <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> little threat goes a long way. Little, little, just, just a tiny little baby threat. Well, I am today mindful. Remember, I don't know, y'all may or may not remember, the last two shifts, I was going through it. I said every week was the worst week of my life. (laughs) And I am just really thankful that um, the dust has seemingly settled Mm -hmm. and I have had uh, a peaceful couple of days. Um, Still have some stressors, still have some 
you know, unexpected events that happened. Um, but in general, I am at peace with where we are, where my family is, where I am. Um, just kind of like trying to be like the water and flow. And I think that a lot of times that is my biggest challenge. I think it's most of our challenge. Was that right? Grammatically, our challenge. Anyway. Challenges. <laughs> our, our challenges, yes. <laughs> I'm like, that didn't sound right. Um, it's because we have this, um, we have ideas about where we think we're supposed to be or things we're supposed to do or how other people are supposed to behave or interact with us. And we, it's, it ultimately boils down to control. Mm-hmm. And then when things feel out of control or when we feel out of control or when it seems like we cannot control the narrative of a, of a particular situation, then it induces stress and anxiety and sometimes anger and depression because it's not going the way that we think it's supposed to go. And I have to remind myself often to just be like the water and flow. And so that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm finding myself in a situation like even like in grad school, this is me being hundred percent transparent. I'm getting ready to drop a class um, because because the last month or so of my life has been super hectic and like super stressful. And I had to have a big, deep, big girl conversation with myself that said, I am still going though, right? Like I'm still Mm -hmm. in grad school. Um, I am not the first person, nor will I be the last person to have to drop a class. Um, I can just take that class next term or the following term, and it's all going to be good. We're still going to be a midwife, so we just, we still going to keep pushing through. Come on with the self-talk. Yeah, I had to do some, so I'm mindful of that too. Let's be mindful of some positive Mm self-talk. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm like that too. Um, Just working on my anxiety over the years. I had heard something some years back that said, if you experience depression, you're living in the past. If you experience anxiety, you're living in the future. Future. And so the goal is to live in the now, you know, Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times that's really difficult for people. Um, But yeah, positive self-talk has been really big for me. And I always have to remind myself, talk to yourself as if you are speaking to your very best friend in the same situation, because usually your words will be so different to much kinder. Yes. Yes. Much more kind, much more compassionate. um, All of those things. Or even like what what you would say to your children. If you have, if you're a parent, I mean, how, Mm -hmm. how gentle do you speak to your children when they're, experiencing pain or going through something like how much patience and grace and do you extend to them so yeah I think mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's huge or should that's a topic for another day yeah now listen <laughs> you don't have time for that tangent tonight Tasha <laughs> right because it's already nine forty nine. because that's a big topic yeah yeah, yeah. I mean and I mean as a point see I'm not going down that, I'm not going down that road We'll put a pin there and talk about conscious parenting in the Black community later. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, because we didn't get our last shift uploaded until a couple hours ago, (laughs) (laughs) we um, do not have a hashtag recap from last week. However, again, if you want to um, listen to last week's shift, um, you guys know we're everywhere. You can find us. Again, we're all, we were live on Facebook last week. And so you can also watch the recording um, on Facebook. 
So, inbox report. Also dry. <laughs> Listen, y'all know we want y'all to get in our inbox. Where are where are the faithful few who hit us up in the inbox consistently? Don't make me call y'all out, okay? Because Don't. we will, okay? So, if you have questions for Tasha or myself, if you have a potential topic that you would like us to discuss, if you have something you just want to share and you want us to share it on the podcast, we will do that. Hit us up. Our email address is getsedated705 at gmail.com. You guys can also find us on, I ain't going to say all the social media platforms because we don't, we old, so we don't have like a TikTok and all that. <laughs> Maybe all the we old get folks socials. All the old folks socials. We on them. We on the old folks socials. We where the aunties TikTok, at. Though. Yeah, we, we listen. Come on, aunties. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. we aunties. We where the aunties at. <laughs> you know, Facebook. That's usually yeah. the first place. Facebook. Mm-hmm. Y'all can just type in the search box, Conscious Sedation Podcast. On Instagram and Twitter, you can hit us up at Conscious underscore we need y'all to follow us we need you to like us we need you to share us we need you to rate us i mean mostly because we the shit so <laughs> mostly <laughs> and if you don't know now you know baby that's not what he said but <laughs> you know it's yeah, okay. that was the clean if you the know you version. know if you know you know and if you don't know you too young too so, bad long, long <laughs> we ain't telling you so this is super random, and I must, I'm not going to go on no more, no more tangents. But my friend randomly starts singing, hey, little mama, why you dress so funky? And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot about that video. Do you remember the video, Tasha? The little kids, it was like, they were like 10. They was popping, booty shaking. And then, like, today for the first time as an adult, I, like, listened to the lyrics through, like, you know, the lens of, like, a mother of an 11-year-old and, like, be like, oh no. Oh, oh no. mama was letting them sing these lyrics. Anyway, and so I thought to make a post that said, if you don't know, hey, little mama, why just spunk it? You too young. Get off my timeline. <laughs> bye bye now. Take your ball. <laughs> anyway, that was random. Okay, so this week we are talking about paying down. I'm pregnant. Yes, knocked up. So, I mean, we first got wind of COVID pandemic in like the beginning of this year um, across overseas. It hadn't reached the Americas yet, but we kind of learned about it. And so we we're talking about maybe five months ago. So many people, right, birthing bodies, women, birthing bodies were already pregnant by the time it arrived here um, in America, North America. <laughs> um, and so I can only, I, you know, when it first happened, of course, there was like lots of, that's not true. When it first happened, we thought that it was just, I mean, our president said, I mean, y'all's president said that it was the Chinese disease. Oh, Lord. Right. So nobody thought that anybody else could get it. And then we thought that it was a disease that only was going to affect the people who were immunosuppressed. 
um, like maybe people who had diabetes or HIV, you know, AIDS or some other kind of, you know, or, or on immunosuppressant drugs, right? Or, or older people. Or obviously, yeah, people who travel. And then the elderly, right? We thought that was the high-risk population. It didn't take long for us to understand that this um, virus played no favoritism. Everybody was fair game. And so I can only imagine, especially being an OB nurse, um, maternal child health nurse, and taking care of that vulnerable population, um, the fear that arose inside of women when they were thinking of, you know, not just delivering their baby, but also um, getting care from a provider. And so it looks vastly different than it did when we first, you know, last year, this time last year, or even six months ago, right? It looks vastly different. That care looks different. Um, And so we are going to talk a little bit about that, talk about some ways that we can make sure that pregnant bodies are staying safe and healthy during this pandemic, because it doesn't seem like it's going any going away anytime soon. Like we talked about last week, we have been incredibly selfish as Americans, um, which is why the world is laughing at us (laughs) because everybody else has managed to get their numbers down and we are still climbing. I'm in a state where um, we are one of the top 10 in terms of COVID numbers, like daily, we're out of control. And so um, I know there are lots of other states that are still battling and especially cities, urban areas are the most, um, the hardest hit. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's a whole mess. I think I looked at, again, (laughs) clicked on the COVID updates on Facebook. Uh Because this is where I get my news. (laughs) Well. (laughs) (laughs) And it said one day, like, we had added 65,000 cases. And I'm just like, oh, worldwide, worldwide. We added 65,000 thousand cases a day like most of these are in the u.s new cases yes new new these are not old stuff whatever i I don't even know what the classification would be you know why wouldn't it be a new case but Mm -hmm. yeah i think um georgia was number seven on the list last i looked so i too (laughs) am in the top 10 state and at one point you know, there was this kind of lax feeling like, huh, you know, it's been all this time, whatever. But then I was like, girl, what you doing? It's worse now than when it first started. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? If there's any time to be vigilant, it's now. It's definitely now. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just not real hopeful about the numbers for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And I had made a post like when this first started that everything was canceled until this was done. Like, I don't care what you got going on. Allergies, canceled. Comic code, no such thing. <laughs> I don't care what you got going on. Don't you, you complain about your... nothing? Headache, canceled. Because literally, if you look at the list of COVID, it ranges from everything to nothing. In terms of symptoms, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything yeah. to nothing. And so, yeah, it's just, it's a mess. It's a whole mess. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know that, okay, so first of all, I'm going to just talk just blatantly about the opening up of the states, Mm -hmm. right, and the cities. 
and how that is giving people this false security that it's safe to go out, mm-hmm. um, which I ain't gonna lie. I almost fell victim this weekend, y'all. Thank God for Jesus, because <laughs> <laughs> me and my friend had pulled up to this little bar. <laughs> A boar with an O. A boar. That's Nap Town. A boar. B A W R. We had pulled up to this boar. And I was like, we sat outside for a minute and we was like, so, because so far, I mean, I have ventured out. Like I told y'all to go shopping. And then I have like sat on a patio to eat. Like I have done that. Um, Still haven't taken the children, but I have just myself as as a grown-up because I love a patio anyhow um so he was like it's no patio like it's just all inside and then of course because people are eating and drinking they're not wearing a mask and so I was like I believe I had read somewhere that like going to a bar was like a level eight and on the risk on the scale mm-hmm. one of the highest yeah <laughs> like a gym it's- Mm-hmm. The gym is also super high, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we sat there for a minute, and I was like, so she was like, a level eight? And I was like, I, I swear that's <laughs> what they said. The, y'all in the car talking about. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, so there's this false, but because people are out and people are starting to move around, it, we're, this is creating this false security, right? And of course, we didn't go in. We turned around, was like, we can drink at home, child. Like, we ain't about to go in this bar. It's not that serious, right? But... I think about when you're pregnant, right? Or you're expecting a child. There are certain things that you want to do. There are things that you look forward to when you're pregnant, right? Like going through the store with the scanner and creating your registry, like having a baby shower, like going to your first appointment at the doctor. And um, I was talking to one of our local midwives and she was saying that the first appointment is virtual, Wow. So you're not physically going in. There are lots of facilities who have these different COVID pos- policies that the, the initial appointment with your provider, right? I, I'm assuming unless you have like right, an extensive history of being high risk, pregnancy, some kind of extenuating circumstance. If you're just a first time mom or if you have had healthy pregnancies before, um, you know, you just having a virtual visit with your, with your kid, with your provider. And so it's, that's a vastly different reality compared to what we imagine in our minds when you like see the line go blue, right? Especially if you were looking forward to this pregnancy, you want this pregnancy, that, that in-person contact with your provider is something that we look forward to. And, and with so, your partner. Yes, with you, yeah, with your partner. So when I, this midwife I was talking to, um, she was saying that she actually has grown. It took her a little while to in, not enjoy it per se, but um, kind of appreciate it because the differences versus when you're in the office, when you're talking to somebody um, virtually, they're most likely at home. So you kind of get to interview everybody. You kind of get to see what their home is like. You kind of get to see what the children, if they have other children, what that, what, you know, that dynamic is like and ask questions about those pregnancies that maybe you would not have had access to if you were doing an in-person appointment. Um, but I know that throughout the, like, you know, your 40 weeks or whatever, you might only lay eyes, like physical eyes on your provider, like three times. You know what that pops up? Um, that brings up for me, that's my mind, body <laughs> lingo. Mm-hmm. That brings up for me, you know, how um, Western medicine is very medical. 
Mm-hmm. And in other countries, prenatal care looks very, very, very different where um, expectant moms go to their practitioner maybe once or twice during the pregnancy, have a maybe 20-week ultrasound, and then they really don't see them because they don't perceive pregnancy as a medical condition. It's, and so yes. for me, I'm like, well, is this the new trend and expectation and was all of that stuff that was being done before extra some of it i think is especially if you have a relatively low risk pregnancy low Mm -hmm. risk patient like it's a lot it's a lot especially like when i was towards the end of my pregnancy with suri because i was over 35 Mm-hmm. I had to see my OB. This was at 32 weeks. I had to see my OB every two weeks until I was 36 weeks. But I had to see a perinatologist every week. Mm-hmm. And so that had me at the doctor's office at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. And if her tracing was not that great, <laughs> I was then at the perinatologist again from the OB appointment. Yeah. And so for me, I'm just like, this is a job. This is a job. And for people who um, don't have the flexibility in their work like I did, and people who don't have transportation or people who have other children, or like, it's yes. too much. It's yes. too much. It creates a disparity. It does. And then we get people when they show up to deliver their baby we want to say that they've been non-compliant. non-compliant. Mm-hmm. They haven't had enough prenatal visits and we want to do all types of testing and form all these types of opinions about who they are and what they may have done or what they may be involved with and why wouldn't they go get prenatal care, right? And a lot of times these conversations are had outside of their rooms. Nobody always, ever begs to ask, Yeah, nobody <laughs> ever just asked the, the person like, why didn't you get prenatal care? I used to ask because I was curious and not because I wanted to cast judgment in any way, but I wanted to see if there was any sort of knowledge gap. You know what I'm saying? Some people didn't know how to initiate prenatal care, especially if I was working in triage and I saw them at some point during their pregnancy before they were ready to deliver. I would Mm -hmm. ask, you haven't been to the doctor yet. Why? And we are a hospital. We have social services. I mean, not at night, but we have social services on deck all the you know what i'm saying so we have access to a social worker we have access to someone who can get them transportation we have access to someone who can get them medicaid or health coverage if that's what they need but nobody asked the question to see what is the barrier well and then even in that tasha like i mean we have all these resources right but so first you're right we're not asking questions or we're not asking the right questions but then also the systems are so broken, right? Okay. And so, yeah, we might be able to get somebody a Medicaid cab. How many hoops do you have to jump through, right? And then how many times have you heard a mom say the cab didn't show up? Yeah. Like, there's truth behind that. Every mom ain't lying about the cab didn't show up, right, right? right? And then some women show up to their prenatal appointments, but because the system is broken and that they're overbooked or 
doctors are seeing women who are probably their their higher risk than what the time they've been scheduled for, right? That pushes the schedule back. That mm-hmm. mama might have to go get her children from the bus stop. She can't right. stay and sit there past an hour, two hours past her appointment time. So she may show up and very well may leave. So that doesn't count to her prenatal care, right? Nobody's documenting right. that she came and had to leave. They're just saying she didn't show up. So there's so many different factors, especially when you're talking about women who don't have flexibility on their job or transportation or whatever. She might have to catch the bus. She can't stay right. late. She This is her last bus that's going to her side of town or whatever. You know, like there's so many different factors that we don't consider when mm-hmm. we think about that. And so I think that you're right that, um, you know, telemedicine has been around for at least the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I think that this situation has forced us to recognize that telemedicine may, it not, not, not it may, it is a way to reach clients, to reach patients who may live, not only who have these transportation or financial or employment barriers, but also people who live in rural spaces, right? Who maybe um, don't have access to care or providers, you know, or so far away, right? They may not have access in their local area. And I think that it's forced us to look. And so I, I agree with you when you say that you wonder if this is probably going to be our new normal. We may realize, hey, we really don't have to see pregnant women 10 times in their pregnancy or whatever maybe we can only lay eyes on them you know three times if they're having a healthy normal pregnancy and not have to um, have them come in and all that stuff because you can sit at your desk at work right and do a virtual visit you can do a virtual consult on your break if you need to while you're still at work and so um i think that that this is probably going to be a move that a lot of facilities will keep in terms of policies for taking care of women. I think too, I think it can be empowering for um, the patients too, because the provider then is for one charged to educate and make sure that that education has been communicated appropriately. But then the provider is trusting their patient to report anything that deviates from the norm. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you have someone who you've been educated with, you have a rapport with and all of that stuff, like, you should trust them enough to say, if these things are happening, you should come in mm-hmm. or whatever and trust that they're going to be able to do that if something's really going on and not pass judgment about their, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. You know how sometimes providers will um, pass judgment and assume that the patient's best interest is not their current pregnancy or the fetus based on whatever their behaviors are from the outside, not having asked the question. You know what I'm saying, though? No, say more. Explain what you mean. A lot of times, and I've seen it, nurses and doctors alike will assume that because the mom didn't get prenatal care that she must not care about this pregnancy. Oh, yes, for sure. Or that, you know, because her diabetes is out of control, she must not really care about her life or the life that's within her. And that's not always true. You know, that that most of the time is not true. Most of the time, yeah. (laughs) And so I think that this kind of empowers the that pregnant person to be able to be like, okay, I am capable of taking care of myself and recognizing when things are off and I'll be okay. 
I'll let you know if something is off and you'll just have to trust that. So I think that's a good point um, after we've gotten labs and done all of our initial testing because mm -hmm. my concern with that is, is that because a lot of birthing people, birthing bodies, women, do not, um, most of us don't have a primary care provider, mm -hmm. right? We don't go to the doctor all the time. Right. And so this person may have not gone to the doctor in years and then until she got pregnant, right? And so then maybe her baseline or what feels normal for her is high blood pressure. Maybe mm -hmm. her sugar is always out of control. And so then she's thinking this is normal when really, no, baby, your blood pressure look high. Mm -hmm. And so then we can't then trust her to say if something feels off, I'll contact you. Um, and so for me, that's when things start to get a little bit hazy. Yeah, it starts to get hairy because I know that's true for a lot of people. A lot of us do not. Once you hit 16 sometimes, after you've done with your, well, child visits, <laughs> unless you play a sport or something, um, or if you are a, a, a woman who wants to get on birth control or something like that, a lot of us don't go to the doctor annually for like a physical you go if you're sick or if something's going wrong. Um, and if, if you're a healthy person, that could be years you know, between visits where you've seen where somebody has laid eyes on you and even checked your blood pressure, mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, you know, things can start to get hairy when we, you know, leave that up to us as a, as a patient to say, oh, I'll let you know if it's <laughs> something feel wrong. Yeah. I mean, of course there will be or uh, parameters to people who actually met that, you know, that standard of care. Right. Not everybody falls into that situation at all. Right. Yeah. So then when we, as we think about like um, pregnancy and like what that care looks like, I have noticed that there is, I feel like hospital, the number of hospital births has gone down since COVID. Like families are choosing alternative <laughs> places to birth their children. Um, a lot of times because of the fear of, you know, getting the virus in and of itself. And then as a black, black people, you know, black women already have fear of birthing in hospital facilities anyway, because uh, at the because of the alarming rate at which we are dying in childbirth mm -hmm. and our babies mm -hmm. are dying um, before the first year. And so I think that Black women were already transitioning kind of out of the hospital in terms of birth. But um, I think that COVID maybe like accelerated a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like initially I didn't really see that much of a dip. Mm -hmm. mostly because um, the United States healthcare system is trash and it does not support or pay for um, home birth mm -hmm. or like midwife care outside of a hospital setting or maybe even a birth center birth. And so a yeah. lot of people were still forced into the hospital um, with this fear. And then on top of that, were forced into the hospital without their support person. Now, um, in Atlanta, or at the hospital that I'm in now, I don't know what it looks like around the city. I know policies have changed up 
they will allow one person to visit. Um, that person cannot leave the entire time, which, okay, so I can't take a shower. <laughs> I got to eat hospital food, you know, like all of these things, which I get it, but uh, okay. And then, like I said, the hospital where I'm working at considered the doula part of the care team. Mm -hmm. which was an allowance that was not being given most places. Yeah. And worldwide, I know that a lot of um a lot of people had to give birth alone. And I could not imagine what that must feel like. I mean, okay, so I will speak and I have to applaud my place of employment because we were probably one of the first, if not only, hospitals within our um, county that was allowing um, birth partners. So you could choose who that was. It could be your husband. It could be your mama. You get to pick, but it was that one person. And then um, we were also on the kind of, I feel like, on the, the forefront of also allowing doulas into. So that's not only is it your birth person, your birth, your support person right but you also were allowed to have a doula and so what i've learned since the start of covid or the pandemic or whatever is that all the hospitals in this county are allowing women to have at least a support person and so women in indianapolis are not birthing alone and so they don't have to if you mm -hmm. are it's because that's what you've chosen or you weren't you didn't have a support person or whatever um but you don't have to birth alone and i think Listen, y'all, <laughs> I always say Indiana is like, we are so behind on maternal child health. We are, we have so much work to do here. Um, and so for us to have been, I feel like, I feel like that's like innovative almost because there's so many states that are still requiring women to birth alone. And so I am proud of my city that a lot of the facilities here, all the facilities in this county at least, are allowing women to have a support person. So we speak about doulas in this space, right? And so this allowance of doulas. I do know that there are some facilities that are requiring doulas to be certified, oh, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. so a lot of times they have to be certified from particular organizations, which creates a barrier mm -hmm. and a disparity because there are, a, you know, a lot of times they're the big wig organizations, right? They're the... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't even say their names. I ain't, gonna, I ain't gonna shout nobody out. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking the ones who have colonized what it means to be a doula because truly um, Black women been doula-ing for since the beginning of time, mm -hmm. right? And uh -huh. so um, they've colonized it and, um, you know, made it a thing that was already a thing, but it made it, you know, their thing. And so Corn it rose. creates a disparity, which is that? <laughs> Cornrows. <laughs> Among other things. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yes. you know, that creates a disparity and sometimes a problem because if a woman, a black woman, right, has chosen a doula, who may be certified. Maybe she took a black training, right? A black trainer's training. And so if that is not a allowable cert certification at that facility, then that still leaves a mama um, without without a doula, which is an important part of her, her care team, her support team. And then we're talking about, you know, shutting out 
practitioners or caregivers who look like us. And then we're talking about the economics involved with that at a time where everyone is counting every penny and every dime. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just all so layered and everyone having to make pivots to still be able to serve and be effective in that space because of hospital policy. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. then I was thinking too, like, um, this is going to get a little scientific, but for people who don't know about the birth process, yeah. when, when you're in labor, your body is um, going through what could be a fight and flight or fight or flight response if you're not careful. And so when you're in fight or flight, then your body pretty much shunts blood and oxygen away from the uterus because it's not a vital organ, quote unquote. Most of the blood is going to the brain, the heart, your muscles, and that sort of thing. And so then you're more likely to experience fetal distress or have your baby not tolerate the labor because you're stressed out or you're in this fight or flight response. And I would be curious to see what the numbers look like for like stat sections or inductions or, you know what I'm saying? Um, Sentinel events and things like that that have happened during this time for people who weren't allowed to have their support person there because really you're already anxious because you're in the hospital. Mm -hmm. You're already anxious because you're having a baby, you know, be it your first or fifth, you're still nervous about what's happening and then not being able to have the comforts of home (laughs) or a familiar face in the room. And then you have nurses who are in a mask, a face um, shield, 10 gowns and gloves who can't tell you know what I'm saying like on top of the COVID stress right that we're all baseline up here now because of COVID just being here for so long yeah I mean there's an insurmountable amount of evidence about doulas in childbirth and the reduction of c-sections and um you know you know birth of you know adverse birth events or whatever there's I mean all kinds of evidence that says doulas play um a great part in in terms of making positive birth outcomes. And so if there, so too must it be true that if a doula, right, somebody who's really just become your friend over these 40 weeks of pregnancy, how much more would a supportive partner, how much more effective do they have? And so, um, I mean, I don't know that, I, I don't know personally the research that's there, but I can only imagine that the impact that it would have, you know, to laboring alone, Versus having your mama rubbing your back while you're contracted. Mm-hmm. I mean, or it's just... your hand even. Yeah, you know it makes saying? so just much sense. Just simple, being a supportive stuff. person in the room. Yeah, just yeah. being a familiar face in the room. Basic yeah. things. And then that just carries you into the postpartum period and what that looks like. Is there birth trauma? Is the risk for postpartum depression higher? Are mm-hmm. the baby blues incidences higher, longer? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Postpartum psychosis. Is that present? Like uh, these, these things are ripple effects. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't even know what that's going to look like yet because we're still in the middle of it. We're not going to well, know for years to come, mm-hmm. you know, what, what this means. I would imagine, I want to wrap back around to um, hospital um, real quick, but I would imagine that the number of women who may be affected or experience postpartum depression 
because of all this isolation, that's one of the biggest reasons, right, for postpartum depression or one of the biggest triggers for it is because mm -hmm. you're so isolated for those six to eight weeks or whatever after you have a baby, right? And mm -hmm. so can you imagine what that, I mean, it's, I even if you're out in public, we're still kind of isolated, right? Because we got on our mask, like you're still not engaging with people. Mm -hmm in an intimate or, you know, positive way, even it doesn't feel positive when I go to the grocery store, it feels super like I'm just on an island by myself shopping. I don't want to touch nobody, look at nobody. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> breathe is, on nobody. No interaction is without barrier right yeah, now. It's, and exactly. even if it's family, yeah. you know what I'm saying? No interaction is without barrier. Yep. Yeah. And so like my, my family was thinking about coming for my baby's first or second birthday, which is uh -huh. going to be next month. And I'm just like, I, I, you know what I'm saying? Because I can't help but think about, okay, well, y'all going to be on the flight for one. Are y'all in N95s? Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? Folks ain't wearing masks on planes. And y'all done went through this airport where y'all are. And then coming through the busiest airport yeah. here. And, you know, let alone everybody else that you've been in contact with before you get here. <laughs> You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. so it's just so risky. Nothing is without barrier, right? It now. isn't. It is risky. Um, completely risky. So this brings me to um, what I was going to say about the, also staying in the hospital is that I saw an article last week or maybe the week before that said NICU admissions are down. Imagine that. Yeah, everybody's wondering, where are the pre-termers? Where are all the, <laughs> where the NICU babies at? Mm -hmm. um, it's certainly not because, you know, more babies are dying. So why is it? My thought is because we're not bothering pregnant women as much. We're not inducing them and tampering with what doesn't need to be tampered with. And so babies are being born perfectly healthy. Imagine that. Yeah, I noticed <laughs> that too. Like, um, there's no... Uh, salacious admissions mm -hmm. like nobody is being admitted for expected management this is labor and delivery if you're not doing one or the other you don't qualify and no offense we'll see you back when you are laboring or ready for delivery mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah oh so, yeah yeah um and i you know i can say that i have seen um, the number of inductions go down, um, you know, pretty significantly at the facility that I work at. And even like, you know, talking to moms, talking to the, the mamas in the community, you know, I haven't heard nearly as many women saying, oh, I'm being induced next mm -hmm. week, you know, mm -hmm. um, because you're right. We're having to minimize the number of patients in the hospital, right? Mm -hmm. And an induction could take four days. Social inductions is done. <laughs> Is done because you're tired oh, of being done. pregnant. It's done because the evidence been saying it should have been done. Should have been done, but it's really done now. I hope it is. I do hope it is. But yeah, that was one thing I wanted to bring out uh, or bring up about um, pregnancy with COVID. So it's not. It's not all bad. I said that to say it's not all bad. If we are having fewer NICU admissions, you know that's a good thing. We mm -hmm. we don't especially you know. For Black women, we don't need our babies to have that additional risk factor of having to go to the NICU. And so that's a good thing. What are y'all doing about like separating babies? If mom's positive, are we separating? Are we not separating? What y'all doing? 
I haven't seen um, a case yet of a pregnant COVID patient. Really? So I'm not even sure. Mm-hmm. I know there's been maybe a couple, mm-hmm. but I'm not there often enough to know, you know, exactly what's going on. I haven't seen the separation of babies and moms if we could help it. That's good. Um, so I do know, again, my facility, I'm like... <laughs> I'm super impressed, y'all. Our policy, if positive, if moms are positive, um, COVID positive, they keep the mom and baby together, which is a different policy than a lot of the facilities um, in our area. So there are facilities who are recommending separation of mom and baby. Okay. And so when I do air quotes for recommending, it's that because we're just doing it. We that, that's what that means. Stay we just don't go ahead. We, we just, recommend it. So we already got your baby in the crib rolling down the hall because this is what we recommend. And we ain't asked you no question about it. We ain't gave you no research. We ain't told you that your COVID is even positive. How about that? Nope. We're going to take your baby to the nursery for some tests. See you later. Mm-hmm. That's what that looks like. Yes. And so then what that does is that interrupts bonding which is so important, right? For mom and baby, especially immediately after um, birth. And then it also interrupts breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So what we know is, is that there's lots of research that just came out. AAP just came out with a new recommendation last week that says AAP is the American Academy of Pediatrics. And so they've just come out with a a new recommendation that says that there is absolutely zero reason to separate a COVID positive mother from her newborn, which we already knew this because there is zero indication that COVID is crossing the placenta, right? There's zero... um, a lot of times these moms are testing positive. So our facility tests all the moms. When you come in for admission, we're testing everybody. And so you could potentially be COVID positive and not have a symptom, right? And so we also know the, re- the new research says that it's very unlikely for you to spread COVID if you don't have symptoms. The old research said that everybody could get it asymptomatic, if symptomatic, whatever. If you're positive, you could pass it. There's potentiality for passing it, but it's very low if you don't have any symptoms. So if you're not coughing, hacking, right, spreading those respiratory secretions, then it's very unlikely for you to pass it. Um, We also know that um, COVID has not been found in breast milk. And so there is no reason for moms not to be able to latch baby directly to the breast, um, even if if mama is COVID positive. For me, I... I feel like the only reason for separating moms and babies would be out of fear. You know what I'm saying? Because you're like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen with the baby. But but the baby's going home with the mama, right? Baby came out of the mama. Well, let's start there. Baby <laughs> just, came out of the mama. The baby's just going came home out. with the mama. Mm-hmm. And, and then um, I'm like, if you're giving birth in a facility that doesn't allow anybody there now, and you're going to take my baby away? You know, (laughs) I just, that just sounds like a bad idea from the Mm -hmm. start. Like, I get the knee-jerk reaction to be like, ooh, I don't know that this is a good idea. We should do this. But I'm happy that now they're kind of walking that back 
Mm-hmm. And like, you know what? Mm, not really. We jumped a gun. <laughs> right, right. Which is, I, I can appreciate a, my bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. As new information comes out, and I say this even about people and their personalities, trans or whatever, you are not obligated to be who you were. Not five minutes ago, not five years ago. If new information comes and you plan on changing your mind based on that new information and you want to go a different route, that's cool. That's what you should do. Reevaluate. I got bad information before. And so I formed that opinion based off bad information. And now I have different information and I'd like to go <laughs> this way instead. Yeah. My mama always said, when you know better, you, you do, do better. better. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I can rock with that. But, you know, for people to come out in facilities to own it and be like, ah, you know, no, that wasn't the right thing to do. We yeah. haven't found research to support doing this so let's just you know do it the way it's been done right i mean and you bring up a really great point like i mean duh they're gonna be in here for 48 hours we're gonna pack this little baby right on up and send it right on home with his covid positive <laughs> mama right especially <laughs> so if the what's the point healthy. if yeah. there's no medical reason for them to be in the hospital and then you're further um putting that baby at risk for keeping him at the hospital yes aka the covid cesspool and potentially exposing the baby to other people, right? If you got the baby tucked away in the nursery, there's babies coming in and out of the nursery right. from their parents' rooms. They could just be having their own little exposure to their little positive mom and whatever caregivers popping in and out of her room, you know? Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah. Cool. Well, did you have anything else to add? Uh, I think, um, just personally, it annoys me about like as whole establishments and stuff like that being open and you know when you're going to doctor's appointments and stuff like that you can't have anybody come with you mm-hmm. like nobody is allowed it's that really that bothers me I, I don't know why that part sticks with me so tough but that does make me upset like because my baby fractured her wrist um last month or so mm-hmm and we took her to urgent care to get her checked out and they allowed one parent even in the building. And so that's a very strange situation for yeah. us and for her that, you know, one or the other parent is present and not both of us. And so mm-hmm. it was just, I was like, I mean, while I get it, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just, I, I don't know. I think, like I said, the effects of this and the ripples will be felt for many years to come. And we don't really even know what that looks like. Um, and then something that I hadn't really shared personally, like on a grand scale, mm-hmm. is that I found that I was pregnant in March of this year. And, you know, a big part of me initially was like, oh, okay, well, I'm having a baby. And then I ended up having a miscarriage. And another part of me was like, oh, I would have been having a baby in a pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so um, just for me to kind of make that, not right, but to make my peace with Mm -hmm. that life departing um, early was that the timing, something about it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know my anxiety would have been <laughs> crazy 
mm-hmm. you know, crazy. Just all of the things I would have had all the thoughts going on trying to give birth and you know for me my birth experience was traumatic in the first place and so I wasn't trying to find myself in a hospital but I'm that's not really true. a candidate to give birth anyplace no that's that's a really good point mm-hmm. so yeah it I was just like, okay, you know, I, like I said, was able to be peaceful about that and hopeful for the future, you know, for mm-hmm. us and our family, but it was, it was a lot of those thoughts that came after everything mm-hmm. kind of went down. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> what? I was just like. I don't know what to say after that. That's good. That's a good, like, silver lining, I guess, for you, you know, to think about it that way. I was actually thinking about you when you were saying, like, you had a tra- traumatic birth experience the first time. That's really where my thoughts were. And I was thinking about having, and this is something that I'm sure a lot of people can have, you know, a lot of moms can probably relate to, is that, you know, if you have had a previous traumatic experience and then having that tied with the fear of and stress of just birthing in a pandemic and then the potentiality, right, to have another tragic event happen and then maybe you have to, you know, face that alone if you're in a, you know, a facility that doesn't allow you to have a partner. Yeah, it's a lot, lot, lot of decisions to be made. And um, I actually had one of my old classmates, she did a um, childbirth education workshop with me, she and her husband, and they're in Japan. Mm-hmm. And in Japan, they did not allow anybody to be in the room. And I, her anxiety was palpable. And we did it via Zoom. And I could tell, like, when I say during the workshop, she was, like, scribbling notes and mm-hmm. notes and notes and notes and notes. And I just, I felt for her, you know, there wasn't anything that I could say that was comforting for her. Mm-hmm. It was, I didn't, I barely even tried. You know what I'm saying? The only thing I could think of was, you know, well, we don't know what's going to happen then. So let's stay hopeful about <laughs> maybe the situation changing, but it didn't change. Yeah. And she did end up having to go to the hospital, you know, and have a baby without her husband. And for me, a big, big part of my advice to her, which I tell most people this, do your laboring at home, yeah. you know? And so for her, I'm like, I know you would like an epidural or pain meds or whatever, but this is even more of a reason for you to labor at home because at least then you have that time with your spouse and I was like well worry about babies that come fast (laughs) we worry about babies that won't come at all so if you end up having a home birth I know that wasn't your idea if you end up having a baby in the cab to get to the hospital (laughs) you know yes yeah she um she was just a ball of nerves and I I could could do nothing but empathize with her sympathize you know mm-hmm. yeah I don't know if you guys 
you know, have any other thoughts for us or if you are a mama who is expecting during this time or maybe even delivered a baby during this time and you have any thoughts to share, let us know. You can yes. hit us up in our um, email inbox. It's getsedated at 705 at gmail.com. Of course, you guys can always hit us up on um, Facebook. We're live right now. Um, you can <laughs> we, are. Search by, <laughs> we are. We are. We literally are at 10:30. Um, uh, just put in the search box "Conscious Sedation Podcast" on Twitter and Instagram. We are Conscious underscore Sedation. So yes, see that. Oh wait. Okay. So we did have a couple questions on the Facebook Live. Do you want to answer okay. those now? Yeah, okay. yeah, because I don't have it pulled up. I'm nervous about feedback or whatever going on. So everybody who is watching, thank y'all for tuning in. And yes, you know, we have, appreciate y'all rocking with us. Ten thirty. Yes. <laughs> no, literally, we putting y'all to bed. Okay, not because we boring, though, but because it's something good to watch before you go to sleep. <laughs> That's the quietest storm. Whatever. No. <laughs> um. No, not the quiet storm. <laughs> No, <laughs> I miss the love of me. I know. <laughs> anyway, um, so Mario asks, do mothers or do moms-to-be ever think about what kind of medicine, vitamins, holistic meds their significant other is taking? And how does that affect the moms before pregnancy? Maybe will, and maybe will, I think he's saying during, before pregnancy, during pregnancy and after pregnancy. That is such a good question, and I'm glad you asked it because um, there was research that came out recently that spoke to um, autism and the health of the man's sperm and the picture, you know, the, the role that that played because previously I think that it was believed that um, the woman is usually the issue if something is um, not right with the egg or what have you. And I think maybe fetal alcohol syndrome would have been the only um, issue. I don't want to say issue. What's the word I'm looking for, Ryan? The only diagnosis associated with like baby illnesses that was linked to men. And then, oh, uh -huh. you know, after fetal alcohol syndrome and then uh, the exploration of infertility and stuff like that would happen. And now they know that COVID is transmitted through sperm and semen. Mm -hmm. And so that is a great question. And I think it's important on both sides that when you are seeking fertility, I always tell my clients the best offense is a great defense and so it's important for you to have a healthy lifestyle and play already so that you give this baby this fetus the best environment to thrive in and that's on both sides yeah you know you want some healthy good sperm and <laughs> you want a good healthy egg um, or the healthiest that you can get in that situation so um taking different herbs and stuff like that, all of these things play into the picture of the health of the pregnancy, the health of the child throughout their life and going forward. Right, because it all starts with the health of the, the sperm, right? And the health of the egg. So yeah, yeah, it definitely plays a part. I don't think, to answer your question, Mario, though, I don't think that a lot of women consider that. I think when um, women are thinking of, you know, planning to become pregnant or trying to get pregnant, a lot of times 
we society places the onus on the woman and mm -hmm. I think we ourselves sometimes do right like if we have um, if we can't get pregnant or if we have a miscarriage or all these different things we always you know take the blame ourselves like there was something defaulty with us not defaulty faulty <laughs> with us or there was like some kind of problem with what we were eating we always like blame ourselves we never consider there are miscarriages that happen because the sperm was defective right that's like a thing and so i agree with you that the best um would you say the best offense is a good defense that's right yeah. And he'll so I, appreciate that because he's a sports guy. So he knows. Yeah. I can, yeah, I completely agree. So, mm -hmm. um, okay. And then we had one other question from Courtney. She says, what are birth centers doing about testing for COVID for pregnant women? That is a great question um, because I don't know. I actually did look into the birth center here in Atlanta, but I didn't see much about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, birth centers, just like hospital facilities, you know, they're so independent in a way that they kind of create their own policies and procedures. Like I said, my facility um, is testing every admission, every person who's admitted. There are a lot of facilities who are not doing that. And so I would venture to, to say that it would be the same for birth centers. There may be some um, birth centers who are testing women when they come into the facility, but I, I would imagine that a lot of them are probably not doing testing. Um, for admission, they may be asking women to get tested in the community at some point during their pregnancy or if they feel like they're symptomatic or have been exposed. Because birth centers tend to be less um, medical. Testy, yeah, less mm -hmm. medical. So they may not be just having like the standard of care where every birthing body is getting tested. Um, but I think, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say those are good questions to ask when you're mm -hmm. thinking about where you want to deliver or where your clients want to deliver. Um, Courtney, I know you're a doula. So, um, you know, we, that might be a good thing to encourage the women that you serve to ask mm -hmm. their providers or when they're thinking about where they might want to um, deliver their babies. They, those are questions that they need to ask. Mm -hmm. I was going to add too, like you said, they may have them get tested beforehand, which kind of doesn't matter to me because, okay. Um, but if you don't have a lab on site, then you don't even have the, the capability mm -hmm. to run the test. You know what I'm saying? If you're deciding that you're going to test every mom who is in labor and staying, but our hospital has been testing every admission as well. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, even if you have a lab, like I say you're a birth center and you have a lab on site, I mean it's pretty limited, I'm sure. You still have to mm -hmm. send certain mm -hmm. things off or certain tests you have to send off. And COVID is a very specific test. It's so brand new. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's very specific. And so I still would imagine that even if they're testing in the facility for like a prenatal visit, right? They're probably still sending it off. And mm -hmm. I agree with you, like I have seen patients, again, I said last week, come in come neg and test negative. Their swab is negative. And then they develop a fever in 24 hours and they get re-swabbed and all of a sudden they are positive. So it is not, it really doesn't matter. Mm -mm. I mean, testing, what we should be really doing is treating everybody like they're positive because people can turn in a matter of, a matter of hours, truly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. All right, friend, what do you have for your nurse's note today? What are your final thoughts? What did I have for my nurse's note? Okay. I don't 
don't know. Maybe you should go first because I lost my thought. It fell out of my ear. You know, I didn't write any notes tonight, y'all. I've been winging it off the dome tonight. Because <laughs> you're smart. <laughs> I'm genius. Okay. Because <laughs> you're so smart. Um, so, yeah, my um, nurse's notes is to, I have two. The first one is to ask all of the questions. Okay. So, make sure that if you are um, a person who is expecting a child, particularly during this pandemic, um, make sure that you are asking your provider all of the questions make sure that you are even you know there there's like an interview process that you can if you you can you don't have to just you know spin the globe and like choose a provider right you can interview three providers and see who aligns more with the way you want to bring a child into this world I think that's um, of like particular importance, especially during a pandemic. I think it's always important, but I think it's very important right now that you choose someone who um, you feel like is going to be the most supportive with the birth process and the birth plan that you want for, for your life, for your experience. Um, and then the second thing that I would suggest is, um, it's gone. <laughs> Remember that time you had laughed at me? Because I said it fell out my <laughs> like, ear. Like five seconds ago. <laughs> Yeah, that happens. What was it? It was the good one, too. Aww. Oh, to advocate for yourself. So, you know, in interviewing your, your provider, make sure that you can have access to your support people. If you would like to have a doula, make sure you advocate for yourself. Make sure you're speaking up. If you're not saying something for yourself, nobody else is, you know, um, and so make sure that you're not only asking all the questions beforehand, but that you're very well aware of what's going to happen during your process and that you continue to um, speak up for yourself and say what it is that you want and what you don't want. Um, make sure that you fully understand the processes and the procedures that people are, you know, throwing your way. Like we talked about the separation of the baby and how we recommend things. And a lot of times that means we just do things and you can ask questions. And so that is always going to be a nurse's note for me um, is that you have the right to fully understand and you have the right to refuse. Um, yeah. Well, I'll piggyback off what you said. Um, in addition to asking the questions, write the questions down. Oh, yeah, that's huge. Because, you know, your brain, your baby sucking, your life cells and all of this stuff. And it's a lot going on. We're in a pandemic yes. and... Placenta yeah, yeah. comes out, brain cells come out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, I mean, if you have questions for your provider, make yourself a little note in your phone because most of us always have our phones or write them down. You know, you, your support person, your village, whoever, if they have questions, make sure you write them down so you can take them with you when you either go see your provider or meet with them virtually and also know your options um, I had posted something some time back again on my business page that said a birth plan is not just a plan. A lot of times it's used as an education tool. And when you're selecting yeah. different options and things for a birth plan so that you have this picture in your mind about how you want things to go, you have the opportunity before that moment is here to be like, okay, now what's that mean? You know, so know what your options are. And then if a facility says that they have a policy on something, this free game for y'all. Ask to see the policy. 
Oh, ask, to ask to see it's it. Ask to see it because a, a lot of times it's word of mouth type stuff. And I have gone to look for policies myself because that's the type of nurse that I am, Ryan can vouch for this, that I'd be like, you know, I they said X, Y, Z, and this is supposed to be the rule, but let's look for the policy. And if you do not have anything in writing or in print, that's all I'm going to say about that. That is huge because a lot of stuff that we do is because it's the way we always done it. And there may, you know, you're right. It's always not actually a policy. A policy. Yeah. You have to hold the facilities that organizations feed to the fire. And don't just come down the pipe with this new rule, you know, that y'all don't released in a staff meeting or whatever, and it's not in writing. Show me the policy. Yeah. Especially like say you're a COVID positive mom and you don't want to be separated from your baby and they come talking about this hospital policy. I'd like to see it before you take my baby. Yeah. And there and policy or no policy, as the patient, the staff, your providers work for you and you mm-hmm. still have the right to refuse. Nobody can make you do a single thing for your baby. That is your baby. We can just tell you what we feel is best, what we recommend. The end of the day, you ultimately have the final say about what it is that you want to do. As long as you're of sound mind, yeah, you make the choice. We knocked that nurse's note right out the park. I mean, that was that was <laughs> that was smooth. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So what are we talking about next week, Tasha? Next week, we will be discussing the healing benefits and just, I don't know what words I'm looking for right now, but exclusively Black spaces and why yes. they are necessary and why we need to learn as a people to take up space mm-hmm. and center ourselves and not feel any type of way about it. And, and not care if other people feel some kind of way about it. And not care if other people <laughs> feel some type of way about it. Listen, if you know, you know. I don't care. No, I'm not moving if you come down that aisle. If you can't say, excuse me, I can't move. Oh, God. That's <laughs> taking up space. Listen. That's right. That's right. You see me. If you can't say, excuse me, I can't move. So I can't wait to get into this because, listen, I am incredibly passionate about the importance of having a safe space for Black people to exist and coexist together. Mm -hmm. And I am excited to hear what you guys have to say. So if you have any thoughts or particular questions or ideas about exclusively Black spaces and the importance of such, y'all know where to find us. Or if you disagree, come on. If you don't think it's important, if you think it's racist, <laughs> don't don't mind me like chuckling like that, okay? You don't think it's really funny. But if you do, if you think that, that then let us know. Let us know. Let's have a debate. Yes. Let's argue. Argue with your mama, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know that was a popular hashtag at one point. Let's argue, so... Get sedated705 at gmail.com is where you can send your thoughts, questions, or concerns about exclusively black spaces. 
or if you have any ideas to add about what we discussed today, pan damn, I'm pregnant. <laughs> now that's funny. That is funny. Tasha, she came up with that all by herself, y'all. Like on the fly. We was like, what we calling this shift? And she was like, pan damn, I'm pregnant. I said, oh, that's good. You're good. That girl, good. You're on your way. You're going to the top. <laughs> Pick for me, kid. I take you places. Exclusively black places. <laughs> because those are the only ones that matter. Um, but listen, we're going to be out of here. We have kept y'all too long. We appreciate you guys joining us on Facebook. We had many people who stayed the whole time. Some of y'all went to sleep. It's cool. We all too. We get it. Mm-hmm. I yawned a couple times. I ain't judging you. It's all good. Catch the replay. I'll have it uploaded. I'm actually yes, going to get that up. because we actually recorded it. Yeah. And we're going to be back the same time, same place. Next Tuesday, we are going to try to be as close to 8.30 as possible. We love y'all. It's been real. We're going to holler. Bye.